Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. Today on episode number 77 of the NP Business Matters podcast, we're going to be talking about professional liability insurance for nurse practitioners. Some of us call it malpractice insurance, but they're they're both the same things. They're to protect us as we continue to work. So it doesn't matter if you're a business owner or if you're not a business owner, This is something that is crucial for all nurse practitioners. And guess what? Sometimes we don't get it right and there are some problems. So let's break it down and talk about professional liability insurance for the nurse practitioner. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast, the show that's dedicated to helping nurse practitioners just like you succeed in business. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. And since 2007, we've been working with you on the business of being a nurse practitioner, providing education, resources, and support as you start, grow, and operate your own practice. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just getting started, this podcast is designed to help you navigate the challenges and the opportunities of running your own practice. I'll cover a wide range of topics from startup and finance to marketing and operations. I invite you to subscribe and listen to each episode for tips, insights, how-tos that you need to succeed. To learn more about NPBO and our resources, visit us at npbusiness.org. I'm so glad that you're joining me today on this episode of the podcast. This is probably among the top 10 questions that I get. What kind of liability insurance do I need? Who should I get it? Which company is best? What are the different kinds of policies and which one is going to be best for me? So I thought it would be a good idea to talk about those things and also just mention some of the concerns that I've seen happening recently, particularly around cost and and those sorts of things. And I need to obviously remind you, I am a nurse practitioner just like you are. I'm not an attorney. In, In fact, I don't really have any legal training in terms of any of this kind of stuff. So the information I'm sharing with you is what I've been able to glean from the reading that I've done and from speaking with other attorneys, nurse attorneys and P attorneys over the years as far as what it is that we need to consider. 
I will have some resources for you, you know, all the links and resources that we're going to gather. Plus, I'll connect you with a resource so that you can find your own nurse or nurse practitioner attorney. And you'll find that at npbusiness.org forward slash seven seven. So let's get into just what this is and why it is so important. So first of all, malpractice or professional liability insurance is something that each and every one of us needs to have. It doesn't matter whether you're a practice owner or you're employed by somebody. It's important for you to have it regardless and to have your own policy. So even if you are employed by someone and they provide you with medical malpractice or liability insurance, you need to take a real close look at that because in many cases, that isn't your policy at all. And this is what I learned from being an employer myself was that when I have malpractice or liability insurance and I cover my staff, basically what I am doing is I am covering them against me, if you will. I hope I said that right. So basically, I'm going to protect my business against any of the actions that they may do. Yes, it'll provide them some coverage, but it is mostly, the focus will mostly be on the business. So chances are you as the employed NP with this employer insurance, you're not going to be able to choose your own attorney. And perhaps if those attorneys decide that a settlement needs to be made or some other course of action that you don't think is quite right, it doesn't really matter because it will generally go in the favor of the business. And that will be their focus of protection. So that is why it is always recommended that you as an employee still carry your own insurance. One of the concerns that I've seen come up recently is the cost of insurance and how it seems to be increasing a lot. And quite frankly, that's no surprise to me. First of all, there are more nurse practitioners today than there ever has been in history. Many of us are a lot more autonomous than we've ever been in history. We are performing more procedures and different things that we hadn't done historically, whether we're in employed situations or we're out on our own. And so we're going to see, we be, well, first of all, we become a bigger target, if you will. Whereas in the past, if somebody was going to sue somebody, it usually went to the physician. But now we're going to be out in front more often. So that's one thing. But the other thing, too, is with more of us practicing and more of us being out there, there are more lawsuits. And I will be referencing a couple of times throughout this podcast, the Nurse Practitioner Professional Liability Exposure Claim Report. It'll be the fifth edition that was done in, published in 2022. And it's done by NSO and CNA who provide insurances. And I'll also have a link so that you can take a look at that report yourself. I'm not going to go into total detail of the report, but it does show that total claims have increased by more than 10.5%. 
again, that is something to keep in mind. So what is professional liability insurance? Well, basically, in general, it is designed to protect you, the practitioner, against claims that result from some sort of damage or harm as a result of your professional activities. Damage can be physical or emotional. It can be some kind of harm. It can also result from things such as violation of patient rights, verbal abuse, unprofessional conduct, a whole plethora of things. So basically, there is some sort of error or omission. So an error might be a wrong diagnosis. An omission might be something that wasn't disclosed, but something that is going to result in harm. Now, when you look at liability insurance, there's two types of coverage. And by the way, when I'm talking about liability insurance in this context, I am talking about the professional liability insurance that is not your business liability insurance. I did a whole podcast on business insurance that you'll want to take a look at. And I believe it is episode number 62 of the NP Business Matters podcast that we went into detail about the different kinds. I'll have a link to that also in the show notes, or you can just look for episode number 62 if you happen to miss it in your podcast subscription. So the types of professional liability policies, there's basically two. You have the claims made policy, which I think we've all heard of, but you also have something called occurrence-based policies. And this is where people get a little bit confused as to which one they should do. Now, a claims made policy is a policy that's going to protect you only while the policy was in effect at the time of the claim. So for example, If you have that type of a policy, a claims made policy, and maybe that policy was in effect from September 1st, 2021 to September 1st, 2022. And if there is a claim made during that period of time, you're going to be covered. However, if that policy was no longer active, like say if a claim was made in December of 2022, you'll not be covered unless you had purchased tail coverage from that particular plan. So you may need that, for instance, if you've left a particular job and you want some kind of protection and it was a claims made policy, you may have to purchase the tail insurance and you will have to continue that tail insurance as long as necessary to make sure that you have coverage over anything that would have happened during that time period. Now, if you had an occurrence-based policy, you are going to be covered regardless of what you do. You'll be covered regardless if you change the insurance plan, you change jobs, you relocate, whatever the case may be, be, you will have coverage that stays with you for the duration of the time. And and usually there is some sort of statute of limitations. I am not going to try to go into that because that is not my area of expertise. I think it's pretty obvious just from what I've said here, the type of policy that you want will be an occurrence made or an occurrence based policy. 
Okay. They do cost a little bit more than the claims made, but you will not have to have tail coverage. So that'll be one thing that you definitely want to look at. In fact, if it was me, I wouldn't even look at a claims made policy, period. But you'll need to determine that based on what it is that you need, where you're located, all of those kinds of things. Now, like I mentioned here, malpractice or professional liability is not the same as general liability or business insurance. That business insurance is going to be your slip and fall, fire and disaster type of policy. Lots of add-ons that you can get along with your business insurance policy, including data security, business interruption, and more of those kinds of things. And again, I went into detail in episode number 62 of the NP Business Matters podcast. That link will be in the show notes. Your professional liability company may actually have that also that you can purchase in addition to purchasing your professional liability. So that'll be something that you'll need to look at. But generally with with the business insurance, you're just going to get that from an insurance agent or there are companies that that is their specialty. Hiscock is one of them. But again, I will refer you to that episode. Now, when you're looking at a policy, there's a lot of things that you want to consider to make sure that you have the adequate coverage and protection. And one of the first things I would take a look at and make sure that it is on your checklist, actually, is the state of your location, because there may be differences or limitations in terms of malpractice uh, claims that can be made in your state. So you want to take a look at that. And, and when you go to to investigate these and to shop around, which you absolutely need to do, they will be asking you first and foremost, where where are you practicing? So that'll be something to, to have there. Now, you want to look at coverage limits. Now, the coverage limit is the maximum amount the insurance company will pay per year, which is usually what the policy limitations are. You would renew them on an annual basis. You will want to make sure that you have enough coverage so that it is sufficient to protect you against any potential damages and legal fees in the event of a claim. Now, obviously, the higher limits that you have, you're going to end up with higher premiums. But don't go always for just the least expensive coverage. You need to take a look at the cost of the premiums, the amount of protection that you need, and and what it's covering. So less expensive is not necessarily the best for you. So you need to weigh the pros and cons of both. Now, one of the other things that you absolutely need to look at is policy exclusions. What are they not going to cover? And you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you think you're covered and then you find out you're not. So exclusions can vary depending on the kind of policy and whoever is providing it. And some of the more common ones may have to do with, obviously, if it's an intentional wrongdoing or criminal act or related to illegal activities, those are oftentimes going to be excluded. 
but also look carefully as well how it looks at your scope of practice. Because many times if you are doing things outside your scope of practice, it may not be listed. However, our scopes of practice are bending and morphing and changing to a certain point. It may be a little bit different in your state versus somebody else's state. There are expanding things that we are being educated and trained in that would be considered part of our scope of practice by, say, our board of nursing, but may not translate over to the insurance policy. So you want to make sure that you understand exactly what the insurance company is saying and that you are covered for the types of things that you do in your practice. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier about premiums, and the premium, of course, is the cost of the policy, and there's going to be several things that are going to vary with the cost of the policy. Obviously, the level of coverage, the type of coverage, and your own risk profile. So you want to make sure that you are shopping around. You want to get quotes from multiple companies and compare your premiums and coverage. This is going to be like a mini research project. You're going to get out a spreadsheet and really be able to note what is there, what isn't there, how is this going to affect you, in addition to the cost. Again, this is why you definitely want to shop around. I see such a variance of what people are reporting that they are paying for coverage. Just be really clear that you understand what you're getting for what you are paying. Now, of course, we already talked a little bit about this, but look at, is it claims made or occurrence based? This is so important to take a look at. You do not want that claims made unless you are prepared to carry some kind of tail coverage. An occurrence based policy is much better, in my opinion, for you. However, you're going to need to weigh out the pros and cons for what it is that you are doing and the type of practice that you are doing. If you go with the claims made policy, remember that you are going to need to purchase tail coverage and you need to make sure that that stays active for however you are going to need it. One of the things that not everybody looks for and not all policies include, but is crucial for you is, will you have representation if there is a complaint made against you at your state level for the board of nursing? If you are ever called, ever called before the board of nursing for a complaint, never go it alone. Even if you are innocent, it is crucial for you to have an attorney present who is going to represent you. And here's why. Like I said, if you, even if you did nothing wrong, it can haunt you throughout the rest of your career. And here's an example. A relatively new nurse practitioner contacted me and she was having a terrible time getting a job, not because she wasn't qualified, but because Nobody could get her credentialed with insurance companies. And it turned out that as an RN, there was some kind of a patient complaint made on a unit that she was working. 
and it went before her board. She wasn't the only one, but everybody went before the board. The board found that she contributed to whatever the issue was. And I'm sorry, I don't quite remember what it was. She needed to do some classes and some other things before she could actually practice again as an RN. So she did all of those things. However, what happened was a report was made to the provider data bank, and that will never be removed. Had she had an attorney present, then they could have prevented that particular action from taking place. So even though this was her RN license and not her NP license, which by the way is completely clear, she is still looked at as a high risk individual and cannot get credentialed because of whatever that mark was that was placed on her license. And I had actually contacted a nurse attorney about this issue, just, you know, there's got to be something that she can do. Who should I refer her to? And I was informed that once it's in the data bank, there is nothing that you can do to get it removed. So to me, that advice is like so loud and so clear. Never go before the board, even if you are innocent, without proper representation. So you specifically want to make sure that any policy that you are purchasing will include this for you because not all of them do. So I cannot stress that one enough. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about the NSO Nurse Practitioner Professional Liability Exposure Claim Reports, 5th edition. And again, you'll be able to have a link to that so that you can download it over at NSO. And I wanted to just briefly go over some of the highlights. Now, when we look at these numbers, it doesn't sound like a whole lot in terms of the increases and stuff, but the fact that they are increases, I think is important. You have to remember what the business model of an insurance company is. People pay claims to an insurance company. Their investors reap the benefit of that if the insurance company does not have to pay out money. So the more money that they can hold, the better that the company is doing. We know this just from our health insurance claims, right? And some of the issues that we have in sometimes getting claims paid. This is the same thing with malpractice claims. If you're a high risk individual, they're going to be very hesitant to cover you. I mean, I was actually refused coverage the very first time that I opened up a practice, my first practice, because we rented space to an acupuncturist and somehow they thought that it would makes me at risk. I wasn't doing the acupuncture. This person was an employee, but it didn't really matter. They decided that was my risk, even though it really wasn't. But this is how insurance companies are. They're very conservative. What the NSO report does is it compared claim data between 2017 and 2022. And like I mentioned early, they found that we had an increase in 10.5% of the claims. They also found that the neonatal specialty was the highest average total of claims in that data set. The second highest was aging claims from 
RNs, nurse practitioners working in aging services. So we're talking here assisted living, long-term care, that kind of thing. The top three locations, this is interesting, the top three locations where a problem happens and that claim originates is number one, the physician office. Number two, aging service facilities. Okay, so again, the skilled nursing facility, nursing home, assisted living. Number three, the nurse practitioner office practice. So an NP owned practice. The 2022 data set also said diagnosis related claims are the highest percentage of claims. And that's at 37 and a half, or excuse me, 37.1%. And the average claim total at this, uh, this is about um, $386,000. Death and cancer are the two most common injuries that they saw. You can read the full report that goes into a little bit more detail. I think we can say that this is perhaps a misdiagnosis of um, cancer, which resulted in death or death related to just completely missing a diagnosis. There was also an increase in the average amount of defending these allegations, which is unsurprising since the cost of so many different things has gone up. Professional conduct, medication prescribing scope of practice allegations reflect the highest distribution of license protection board matters. So these are things that go before the board, professional conduct, medication prescribing, and getting outside of your scope of practice. And the other thing that they said is approximately 43% of those issues going before the board result in some kind of action against the NP's license. So that's a fairly high number of issues um, that go before the board that it's it's a problem. So definitely you want to have that board representation. Now, there are several things that you can do to reduce your malpractice risk. So one, Make sure that you have informed consent of your patients. It is a requirement, obviously, um, for legal and ethical reasons to have that informed consent for us to be able to make sure that we are explaining things to our patients so that we are getting the proper consent. But that is something you definitely want to have. Remember, too, and, and I don't have any data in front of me about this, but it seems to me that I've read in the past, just different studies that were done where when patients are informed, when they feel that they're listened to, when their concerns are taken seriously, that there's a decrease in the potential risk of a lawsuit. So those are things you want to make sure that you're doing. You want to follow clinical guidelines and standard of care. I That goes to me without saying And it's really important to think about when we're talking about standards of care, evidence-based medicine, again, practice is changing quickly. People are doing things that maybe they weren't done five years ago. Make sure that you have the appropriate training, the appropriate documentation, that you have something about the evidence of what you're doing so that you and your attorneys will be able to protect you. 
going back to that whole issue of informed consent is to be able to communicate effectively with your patients. Again, when they feel listened to, when they feel that they have the information that they need, we have communicated with them clearly and effectively, and we document all of that, that will go a long way. It's that whole adage that we all grew up in nursing school with, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. That continues to be very, very important. And obviously that goes into maintaining adequate medical records, right? Or accurate medical records. We need to have everything in there, including what we have done with that patient, our interactions with that patient, the diagnosis, the treatments, the medications, if they have refused something, all of those different things. Now, obviously, and and this is for those of us that are practicing, particularly in full practice states, but also in states where we need to have some kind of collaboration, supervision, delegation, whatever it is called in your state, we need to make sure that the proper consultation and referrals are made and that we have documented it. If you have a question about a patient and you need to to contact somebody, even just to discuss it on the phone, document it. That was something that I was always very careful about, even though I was practicing in a full practice state, was to document my consultations, even if it was somebody that they didn't need to necessarily see. I think it goes without saying that staying up to date in our knowledge and doing our continuing education is of utmost importance. Things, again, are changing just so rapidly that it really is important that your continuing education really reflects your practice. And I know that if you can find also courses that talks about reducing your risk, that also helps you, one, reduce your risk, but two, oftentimes many of the companies will give you some kind of a, a little discount because you have actually taken the time to do some work for risk reduction. So right now, regardless if you are looking for a policy or you already have your policy, here's some to-dos. One, look at the policy you already have. Who has it? How are you listed on that policy? Particularly those of you that are employed. What does it tell you? Of all the things that we've talked about, what does that policy tell you? Is it actually your policy? Can you call up the company and find out more about the policy or is it going to have to go through your employer? That'll be a big red flag if you do. Everybody needs to shop around for their policies. You need to look at all the things that we've talked about. You need to be aware of what your options are, what you need for your practice, and how it can best serve you. Now, one of the things I do get asked about a lot is, well, which company is best? And I personally cannot answer that. And I hope that most of us cannot answer that in terms of we haven't had to use it to know whether it's covered us or not. I think if we have the board coverage along with all the other things and, and it's it's going to cover us for what we're doing, whether we are in our own practice, which is going to be a little bit different of a coverage, 
or whether it is for ourselves, you want to make sure that it is covering all of the activities that you are doing. Again, I would highly suggest on your checklist here, you want to make sure that you have coverage for any issues that may come up with your board. And again, I would recommend that you have a policy that is occurrence-based and not claims-made unless you are prepared to keep tail coverage for all the different policies that you may have if you are, particularly when you're going from job to job. I hope that this has been helpful and eye-opening. Again, if you are looking at business insurance, you're going to want to look at our podcast episode on business insurance. That's podcast number episode 62, but I'll have a link to that in the show notes. This is something that is so important for all nurse practitioners, regardless if you're employed or self-employed. So please feel free to share this with your colleagues, um, talk about it, talk about it in the groups, find experts, attorneys that you can talk with. And again, I'll have a link to the National Association of Nurse Attorneys over at our website and make sure that you have the coverage that you need. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our podcast, giving us positive reviews, sharing our episodes. This information is crucial to all of us to understand the different aspects of the business of being a nurse practitioner. I will see you in our next episode at the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now. 